This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 6, Bank on Yourself, Engineering. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Okay, welcome everybody. This is uh, the episode where my inner nerd gets to come out. And I've been looking forward to this episode for some time. I'm so glad to have everybody listening in and and joining us. And also joining me today is my always wonderful co-host, Holly Bach. Welcome, Holly. Yes, thank you, Mark. Welcome, everyone. So last time we, um, last episode, we talked about uh, some some fairly interesting content, I feel. I mean, there were plenty of value bombs just getting dropped left and right. We had to clean up after that episode. It was crazy. Uh, (laughs) So this time, uh, you know, we're going to get a little deeper into it. uh, And we do have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, Last time we talked about a little known variation on a financial asset that's increased in value every single year for the last 160 years. So if you just, if, if, if you look that up, uh, if you if you really stop and think about that, that's just that's just mesmerizing to me. That's just that floors me. So back in 1900, half of all Americans had savings in this financial asset. It was a, a life insurance policy of all things, high cash value, dividend paying whole life insurance. And back in 1900, half of all Americans had their savings in life insurance and annuities, other insurance products like that. And about one third of families owned whole life insurance specifically in 1950. That's according to the American Council of Life Insurers. So this is not just some, uh, you know, fly-by-night, no one's ever heard of this before sort of thing. This is very likely your parents or grandparents had whole life insurance in their portfolio. A lot of it, apparently. Half of their life savings was tied up in those type instruments. Warren Buffett, widely considered to be one of the most successful investors of our time, actually owns several life insurance companies. Now, actually, Warren Buffett can't legally own the kind of insurance companies that we would recommend because those are typically owned by policy owners rather than folks like Warren or others, other shareholders, stockholders. Uh, I also looked up and I found that life insurers have about $4.3 trillion, that's with a T, trillion dollars invested in the U.S. economy, making them one of the largest sources of capital in the nation. Uh, we live here in Chicago. Most of the high-rises built downtown Chicago were, you know, issued and financed by life insurance companies and insurance companies. Uh, And uh, they pay about $19 billion in taxes, federal, state, and local, in just a recent year study. Uh, But with all that said, it's not just like you can walk up uh, to your, you know, local insurance agent and buy one of these things from his tool belt. You know, this is not something you can just pull off a shelf somewhere. The bank on yourself type policies we're describing is something fairly nuanced. It's it's fairly f- sophisticated in terms of how it's engineered, and af- unfortunately, there's just not a lot of people, or financial planners or advisors that know what they're doing. Most people are, oh yeah, I'll just Google that, I'll just I'll just chat chat with my uh, outsourced vendor that does life insurance once or twice a year. That's what most financial advisors will do if you go to ask them about a whole life insurance policy. And I've actually seen some people who thought they had bank on yourself, but their money was still in the stock market, the very thing they were trying to get out of or avoid. 
or that it was unnecessarily taxed because it was just designed incorrectly. They didn't even know it. Their financial planner may not have even known it. I've actually had some family members that have gone through that trouble, and thankfully we moved them into something that is more designed appropriately for the bank on yourself concept. So the point is it matters that your advisor knows how these things are built. You don't necessarily have to know, but you're certainly your financial planner does. I kind of think about my smartphone. You know, I have no idea how <laughs> they put, uh, you know, thumbprint scanners, eye scanners, um, you know, uh, cameras, all kinds of gizmos inside my smartphone. All I have to know is I'm going to push that button and it's going to work. Somebody else engineered the thing. I just get to enjoy it. That's sort of how I see this uh, bank on yourself policy in much the same way. And so Holly and I have been through some specific training. Actually, it's called the Bank on Yourself Authorized Advisor Training. And on top of our state licenses, on top of our you know continuing education we have to do, on top of our credentials that we have, the, the Bank on Yourself Authorized Advisor Training gives us uh, and, and specifically gives our clients confidence that their policies were designed correctly, that will help them accomplish their goals. You know, there's really only, what, maybe 200 advisors in the mm-hmm. country that have really gone through that extra training. And it's taken you a couple of years, taken all of us a couple of years just to get through the training. Right, Holly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's extensive, that's for sure. So let's let's dive a little deeper. How is a bank on yourself policy constructed? You know, what what do you do for your clients that's different than, say, your typical whole life insurance? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I know that we kind of hinted that a lot of people have biases uh, towards whole life insurance as well in our last episode. Maybe you, listener, are one of them. Uh, maybe not. Maybe you don't have any preconceived notions about uh, bank on yourself or whole life insurance. Uh, but really what we've found is that the difference between a bank on yourself type policy and the traditional kind of whole life insurance that most people think of or know of is the way it's designed. Okay, it all comes down to how it's designed, how it's put together. And so in order for us to better describe to our clients and to you know people we, we run across to kind of describe how it's different, how it's designed, we use an analogy. And we use the analogy of a sailboat. Okay, um, so this sailboat ha- is very basic, very simple, um, just has, you know, three basic parts and pieces that we um, structurally and proportionally design and put together to make this efficient bank on yourself policy rather than kind of the old plain vanilla type policy. So uh, just like with, you know, everything, we have to have a foundation and we have to start, you know, with the, with the base. And so that is the first part of our sailboat as well. And so that is the hull of the sailboat. Um, and so the hull of the sailboats, the foundation of the sailboat and is comprised of what's actually called base life insurance. And so that is really kind of the, that is, that's the normal, typical kind of life insurance that you've probably heard of or would have come across. So most life insurance policies that you would get, you know, down the road, down the street are going to be all base. And those are the kinds of policies that uh, people love to hate on (laughs) and say, you know, aren't efficient, don't grow well, whatever the case may be. It's because they're all base. Why is base a problem? Isn't foundations a good thing? 
it is a good thing, uh, but we want to be keeping it in the right proportion. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're not just stopping there, but that we're actually building and growing upon even that base portion. The base portion is valuable. That's what provides you with your life insurance uh, coverage. That's what gives you that the death benefit on your policy. Um, and it also w- helped your growth in the mm-hmm. later years um, really well, but it, it doesn't do wonders for you in the beginning. Oh, yeah. um, and so that's where people will also sometimes say, oh, well, life insurance, you, you've you got nothing at the very beginning of your policy. I mean, you've got no cash value for at least you know 20 years. And with a base-only policy, you would be correct. Um, so what we do is we build upon that so that that's not the case. And you have cash value in as early as the, well, really the first couple months, but certainly in the first year. Um, and so we do not stop there uh, because we don't want our clients to have that inefficient, slow-growing product that most people think about. We want them to have a sleek and efficient sailboat. Uh, So then what do we do from the base? What are we able to do? Well, we can build upon it with riders. Well, what's a rider? (laughs) Well, if you think of it like with other insurance policies you might have, it's just this option that you can kind of add on to your policy that provides you with additional benefits. Uh, So you could think of them Again, to use another analogy, uh, like a car, you know, you can choose to get automatic windows or manual windows, and that is an option uh, that you can get added onto your car. So in the same way with a life insurance policy, you can get these riders that are special options you can get added on. And so the first of those riders that we use is what's called the paid-up additions rider. And in our analogy, that is the sale of the sailboat. So the paid up additions rider is really the driving force uh, behind the cash value of your policy. The paid up additions rider is what we're going to funnel most of uh, your dollars into so that it can provide you with cash value in as early as the first month. You know, as soon as you put money into it, there's going to be cash value there for you to use and access. Um, and so the, the paid up additions riders, that sale that's going to provide us the momentum, the energy and the speed uh, moving down. <laughs> so kind of uh, to keep that analogy. So the, the base on the policy, the base is, is squeezed or shrunk down from, oh, you know, like a barge or a battleship down to a sailboat's hull. And there's still costs, there's still expenses to even a sailboat hull. But you're saying with the paid up additions rider, most of the per, most of our clients' money would go into that very special writer that accelerates or makes more efficient the whole life cash, the cash value that they can, that we can all spend while we're still breathing. Yep, exactly right. Cool. Yep. And so again, it's all about proportions, making sure you have the proper proportions between base, your paid up additions rider, and then also our third rider, uh, or sorry, our second rider, but third part of our sailboat, um, which is the term rider. And so term rider is, is you're familiar with term life insurance is is kind of um, right in that same vein, where it is a special rider we can attach to the whole life insurance policy that is just term insurance. So it's just straight death benefit. Um, And in our analogy, the term rider is the mast of your sailboat. And so this is what's holding up the sail. And the whole reason for this term rider, why we use it, why it's a part of your design, is so that we're able to make that sail and your paid up additions rider as large as it is 
without losing any of the tax advantages that we discussed in our previous episode. And so that term rider is crucial to allow us to be able to pack as much cash as we can into the paid up additions rider, which then results in you being able to have as much cash as possible in your cash value for you to access, tap into, use, and have growing as efficiently for you as possible throughout your years. All right. So, you know, that you've talked about it in terms of a analogy. Why don't you give us some specifics? And we'll include some of this on, on our show notes. But Holly, walk us through the structure of one of these things. And keeping in mind that when, when folks actually have a bank on your self-designed policy, all this stuff is just happening in the background. You know, mm-hmm. Again, kind of like when I just push this button, my smartphone will take a picture. But let's talk about what's going on behind the scenes a little bit. Talk us, walk us through that. Mm -hmm. So you guys certainly don't need to worry about (laughs) making sure that you're determining the proper proportions to uh, your specific policy. That's what that's what we're here for. And that this is what we do um, all day, every day and have been trained uh, in order to be able to do properly. Uh, But yes, so we do have a chart that we've put together that kind of describes the great difference. That this that this design can make um, that you'll see between the all base uh, kind of traditional design and then the bank on yourself design. So we have a chart we put together that kind of walks you through each and every year, kind of comparing them side by side. And we will include that on our show notes. But just to give you guys kind of like a, a high level um, overview of it, uh, just let's just talk about the first year. So the first year that you um, start, you know, let's just say you started two identical policies at the exact same time. One was traditional, one was bank on yourself. So let's, we're just going to use kind of some basic information here. We're going to assume this is a person that is 36 years old and they're putting in $12,000 a year. Thousand, okay. thousand bucks a month. Thousand right, bucks a month cool. into a policy. Into each policy. Well, yeah. I Got mean, it. they could do either one, let's all say. Right, all right. Um, so they're putting into um, the same $12,000, though. Mm-hmm. So we're not putting any more or any less into either one. So with the traditional design, you would put your $12,000 into the policy in the first year. And the cash value that the company would provide you with after that first year is 1100 bucks. Whoa. So, Mark, Whoa. you put $12,000 into something and you got $1,100 in return. Is I that better, a good deal or a bad deal? If it was a vacation, maybe it would be a great deal. To Vegas, if I walk <laughs> away with 1100 bucks, that's probably a good deal. But <laughs> normally, no, that's a terrible investment. Uh, I put twelve grand in, I walk away with $1,100. bucks. That's Where did all that money go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so that this is this is the life insurance that people love to hate. <laughs> and Me this too. is this is what's happening. You know, you're putting the twelve thousand dollars in, only get eleven hundred out. People say, Why would you ever do that with your money? And I would agree with them. Why would you ever do that? Especially when you could have the bank on yourself design. So with the bank on yourself design, you put that same twelve thousand dollars in in the first year, and the cash value that you have at the end of the year is actually eighty five hundred. And so you have $8,500 at the end of that first year. So, Mark, now how do you feel? Well, still not great, but that's a lot better than $1,100. You mm-hmm. know, that's, that still cost me something. So where did those, where did those dollars go? I mean, uh, I'm looking at the chart on the show notes, and there's a death benefit column. And those costs, right, uh, went straight to the supporting that death benefit and paying the financial advisor that set it up for you. So in policy one, that guy or gal walks away with about ten or eleven thousand bucks off off your back. In this case, it's a lot less with the bank on yourself, and also the death benefit, right, is just 
absolutely squeeze down as small as you can make it. It's actually about cut in half from the more expensive policy one to the much less uh, expensive and much more efficient policy two, the bank on yourself policy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so there there are expenses with a bank on yourself policy still and with a whole life insurance policy, just like every product, every vehicle, there's expenses involved. And so that's when you see those, those expenses come out. It's in the first year. Um, and so as far as the death benefit, like you were mentioning, Mark, you're absolutely correct with the traditional life insurance plan. Uh, the death benefit is just under $700,000. And whereas with the bank on yourself design, the death benefit, but death benefit is actually lower. Uh, it's thirty five hundred. So really, we we cut the death benefit in half, and that's us shrinking the base down so that we can funnel more into that paid up additions rider, so that you have more cash. So it's kind of a trade off there in the first couple of years: more cash value, but less death benefit. And um, we can use that eighty five hundred bucks for going on vacation or paying our property taxes, even in the first year, right? Oh, absolutely. Cool. As soon as there's cash value you know, in there, accessible, uh, you, you can use it. Um, so then just to fast forward real quickly, just to give you another reference point uh, with the difference and the astronomical difference between the two. Um, and you can look at this kind of year by year on our show notes. We'll include the full chart. Um, but just fast forwarding kind of to like retirement range uh, for this individual. Uh, let's look at their age 75. Then their cash value at that point with the traditional plan is uh, $940,000. Okay, so their cash value has grown to $940,000 that they'd have access to. Whereas the bank on yourself design, the total cash value is $1.1 million. So talking about, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars difference over your lifetime that you could have if you had a better designed and more efficient plan. Um, But really interesting to note, though, is the death benefit. So with the death benefit, then with the traditional design, it's $1.3 million, whereas with the bank on yourself design, it's $1.6. So actually now, what's Mm -hmm. happened? Yeah, the death benefit's larger even on the more efficient policy. Exactly. So over the course of time, you know, it starts out where your death benefit might be lower with the bank on yourself plan because we had that trade-off there in the first uh, the first year, first couple years. But even over time, the bank on yourself design is going to beat not only on the cash value, but even the death benefit um, in the long run. And I just have one really quick thing to say as we're kind of wrapping up this chart here. Uh, let's just look at age 75 one more time. All right. So we've put in roughly $480,000 of our own money over the course of 40 years. And we've got, even on the inefficient policy one, that's still a nice 940 grand. That's a lot more than I paid into it. That's almost $2 for every dollar I paid in mm-hmm. to the plan. Uh, and it's growing at 42000 bucks a year at that point. The bank on yourself policy, policy two, has even more. Like you said, $1.1 million and that's accessible totally tax-free under current law, 1.1 million bucks. And it's growing at, f- at 12,000 bucks faster than the policy number one is. It's doing 54 grand a year on its own mm-hmm. at that point. What if that year was 2008? Right when the guy decides to retire, boom, he loses half his life savings and he loses all that cash value increase that he would have been getting on that money for the rest of his life. So, you know, if everyone else is losing their shirts on the year he plans to retire, he's getting 54000 bucks on top of his guaranteed principal. Every penny that's there yes, last year is still going to be waiting for him this year. And he gets an extra, in this case, 54000 bucks added to his account. Rock and roll. 
All right. Yeah. And that's only going to continue to accelerate and grow um, over the year. So, you know, by actually after that year in kind of our chart here, after age 75, policy year 40, this individual uh, stops paying into it. They stop their $12,000 annual premium into the policy. So they never put another penny into it again, uh, but it continues growing at the same exponential growth. Um, And so that, you know, the very, by uh, age 85, 10 years later, uh, it's growing by $59,000 a year. Even though he's not putting money in. Not putting another penny in. That's great. So even after all that, it's not just how you build the policy. It matters which company you're building with. So we want to talk very quickly about that. So keep in mind there are insurance contracts engineered and issued by actuaries and product specialists at insurance companies. So you could just call up an insurance company and uh, have one of these policies issued for you. There's about 1,500 life insurance companies in the country. Most of them have, I'd say, subpar balance sheets. Their financials are a mess. I wouldn't put my own money with them. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'd say that of those that are financially fit, do they have products that allow you to do the bank on yourself engineering? So just because they have a whole life contract at ABC Insurance doesn't mean they offer dividends doesn't mean they're mutually owned, doesn't mean that they can, you know, offer you the paid up additions rider, that it helps accelerate or make more efficient your plan. So even a a, a rich insurance company that doesn't offer a PUA rider doesn't do you any good. Mm -hmm. So what company is best for bank on yourself, Holly? So like you mentioned, there's a lot of insurance companies out there. And so really what we've done is, is we put them all through a, a litmus test of, short, of sorts, uh, where they have to meet a very specific set of criteria in order for us to work with them with bank on yourself. And so first and foremost, we want to be working with the best of the best. So we want to be working with the um, sh- most financially stable and strong insurance companies that are out there. So we want them to have, you know, anywhere from five to fifteen billion dollars just in reserves, wow. ready to go to cover their liabilities. Make sure that you know, should a significant portion of their uh, policyholders just pass away, uh, that they're going to be able to cover that, and I'm still going to get my my promises kept mm-hmm. on my policy. So we want to make sure that they've got you know huge reserves built up to cover anything that might happen. We want them to have um, ha- uh, really great high ratings um, from those independent you know third-party rating agencies. Uh, we're looking for you know a 94 or higher on uh, the Comdex rating uh, for ever any insurance company we would work with. So. First and foremost, we're putting them through, you know, the ringer just on their financial finances, making sure those are in place. Uh, but even in addition to that, we need them to meet a couple other requirements as well. In order for us to be able to put together and design the type of structure in the sailboat that we we described to you earlier. And so one of the things that is important for the insurance company to be in order for us to be able to have a bank on yourself policy is they have to be a mutual life insurance company. Now, there's actually you know, a couple different, you could also be um, a participating insurance company. There's a couple different names for it. But essentially, mutual, what that means is that the company itself is owned by their policy holders. So there are no separate stockholders, separate shareholders that are going to be taking the profits from the company. The company is going to be um, owned by their policy holders and pay all their profits out to their policyholders. And so that's where the dividend comes from that we talked about with the growth. The dividend is that is the insurance company sharing the profits with you. 
Um, another important characteristic is that the company offers what's called non-direct recognition loans. That's a mouthful. Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of a, a mouthful and and technical terminology. Um, but really, this specific characteristic is what is the crucial feature for us being able to do the infinite banking and the um, you know using it to become your own source of financing the policy um, in that regard. So this is crucial for the banking side of the life insurance contract. So we're going to be definitely. Um, you know, providing some more information on exactly how, how the loans work and how you can access your money inside a policy. Uh, but for now, just know that that's a requirement uh, that we want to keep in mind. And I, I did look a little bit into this, and apparently uh, this is not uncommon. Uh, some of the most affluent um, Americans in the country are using their life insurance policies uh, for loans. Interestingly enough, life insurance cash values serve as a source of available capital for businesses, families, even uh, when credit is hard to get access to. Uh, so of, of the last available data we could find, there was about $129 billion, with a B, in life insurance policy loans in this country. So mm-hmm. somebody's figured out that that makes sense. Yeah, people are doing this. They really are. I mean, you might be listening to this and thinking, I've never heard this before. Who are these crazy people <laughs> that are talking on this podcast about this? And um, But it, I mean, we're not crazy. People are doing this, you know, to the tune of one hundred and twenty-nine billion dollars. Um, you know, people people are utilizing this strategy. So, uh, why does good design matter? Kind of uh, take us in uh, into that for a minute. So with the with the design again, it all comes down to how your policy is actually going to perform, and, and kind of referencing back to the chart um, that hopefully you guys get a chance to kind of review and look over. It, if you want your money to do the best for you that it possibly can, you want to make sure that you have the proper design, and so you also with that want to make sure you're working with an advisor that can help you get that perfect design like we talked about. Because they're long-term plans. These are long-term strategies, um, having these life insurance contracts. And so you want to build it correctly at the very beginning from the start so that, um, you know, that that it doesn't start incorrectly and then that gets amplified, you know, over time. You want to start correctly so that we can build correctly for the long run. Yeah. And you want an advisor that's not going to just be running off to the next shiny object in the room when the next mutual fund pops up or the next uh, you know, uh, real estate investment trust pops up or something like that. As you can see, there's a lot of sophistication that comes with this financial strategy. There's actually been a number of authors and financial in- investigators that have discovered this concept and have a passion for sharing it with the masses. You know, We've been calling this, on Holly, on this podcast, we've been calling it Bank on Yourself. But maybe some of our audiences heard it called something else. Maybe, hey, I've heard of that before. Uh, and maybe it even has similar features. Uh, you might be right. There's a lot of groups out there that have figured out how powerful this financial vehicle can be and how well it can protect and grow your wealth. Every author that I've stumbled across has some helpful, but also, frankly, some devastating uh, information that can negatively impact your finances. In an effort to like, you know, whiz bang wow the audience, they can sometimes bring across the line, bring more misleading information to the table than is helpful, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, so, you know, I'd say look for the kinds of authors that are willing to give you statistics and give you true uh, trends and case studies. There's a very few people that have really built any kind of training behind their books. Many people are just out there selling books. Now, I'd say in my in my own personal research, the only one that does a good job of protecting the concept 
and certifying financial advisors who've gone through their training so that they can be, you know, serve the public and they can, the public can be sure that they're getting what they're asking for with Bank on Yourself. And that's what, that's why we decided to team up with the Bank on Yourself team, since there are several hundred advisors that went through this pretty rigorous training that we went through. So the founder of Bank on Yourself concept is Pamela Yellen. She's a financial investigator that has devoted her career to helping people become informed about this strategy, mm-hmm. this particular strategy. So in the next two episodes, we'll be having you know this distinct privilege of interviewing this best-selling author, Pamela Yellen, to see how she discovered the strategy. Yeah, we're really excited to have Pamela on our podcast uh, for our next episode. So definitely be looking out for that one. It's going to be good. Okay. Well, and with that, we better wrap up this episode. Guys, thanks for riding through the nerdy episode. Uh, This is uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.